the into his family circle wherein we can experience his quality of life it's an honor for me to come to you today and just minister this gospel of grace to you let us just pray together as we start our service father i want to thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness thank you that you speak powerfully through me today and that people's lives will be impacted by your goodness thank you that there is no end to the expanse of or the expanding of your kingdom and that we can stand under the rule of the holy spirit that gives us life and power thank you that our families our nation this earth is under the rule of jesus and that we will find the fullness of heaven manifest in earth by your doing and that we can rest in your power amen and amen now last week i started to speak on psalm 103 and there's a lot to say in psalm 103 and we're going to continue in our message today i want to talk about the execution of judgment that there is uh, from god's part towards those that are oppressed what is this execution of judgment and i would also if time allows talk a little bit about verse 13 where it says like as a father pities his children so the lord pities them that fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust when we think of the goodness and the love of god it should bring peace to our hearts christianity is a message of hope to this world unfortunately i see that it has not been preached as hope to the world but has preached as hope in the afterlife almost like the old egyptian beliefs that when you die you're going to go through a judgment process and there are different gods there and they're going to check your heart and then in the afterlife you will have life wherein the hope is in the afterlife but where it is not the hope of the world christianity correctly understood is hope for us today we have got a god that loves us that is good to us and that is what i would like to minister to you today from psalm 103 now psalm 103 um, talks about it, it's a psalm of david it talks about david's view of the name of god and the deeds that god does towards us it then is also used as a foundation for understanding what happened in the new testament in jesus okay let us read psalm 103 verse 1 and uh, for those of you that did listen to the message last week you will find some of it a little bit repetitive but let us just get right into it a psalm of david bless bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name now holy name is specifically pointed out today because i want you to understand and i mentioned it last week as well what it means and what was in the mind of david when he said that the name of god is holy first of all what is the name of god the name of god is jehovah that is his name yud hey vav hey we say jehovah so when you think of jehovah the name of god you have to ask yourself the question what does that name mean today we don't have that question if you if i say to you that uh, my name is bertie you're not going to ask what does that mean the only time when we have uh 
meaning of names is when we give names to our children and we just say, what would be a beautiful name? And we would say, uh, you know, like Gabriel means angel or messenger. But that name, Gabriel, for instance, uh, that's the name of my son, also the name of my father. We would give that name as Gabriel because it was a family name. That would be the one reason. The other reason would be because it is a beautiful name and that is maybe something you wish over the person to some degree or just because it's beautiful. But in the uh, um, Mesopotamian ancient Near East times, the the names meant something. It, it would almost like, um, you know, in the... American Indian, you know, I watched that movie Dances with Wolves. The guy's name was Dances with Wolves. Why? Because he was dancing with the wolves. He was amongst the wolves there. That was why it was called Dances with Wolves. In the very same way, the name Jehovah was given to God, or I wouldn't say given to God, but God revealed himself as Jehovah. And in that time, you know, he would be would have been called Jehovah because of certain attributes that is uh, that he possesses. And the word Jehovah means self-existing one or the one that just exists. And that was a different name than the names of the other gods like uh, Marduk and what which we, we, we call and which would find in Greek mythology um, also like Zeus and Thor and all those gods. The name of Jehovah meant that he had no beginning and no end, which puts him completely outside of the ancient Mesopotamian uh, creation story called the Enuma Elish, which basically says that all the gods or the first gods were formed from the mixture between salt and fresh water, and then the gods were created. Now, this might bore you a little bit, but please bear with me because this is beautiful and it brings the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a heart where we see the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the God that has eternal life. When we look at God as the self-existing one, he immediately is different than the other gods because he wasn't created from the mixture of salt and fresh water. Salt water and fresh water spoke about concepts, the concept of male and female. So there was no male, there was no female, but out of these concepts, gods were created which had gods and more gods and more gods these gods would live forever unless they kill one another where jehovah the name jehovah means separate from all these gods he cannot die he doesn't he's not a god that loses his temper today and is ang you know angry and then wants to punish and all those kind of things no he is one that is not in need of life he is also not in need of servants he doesn't have any origin he just always has been he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have the earth with people on the earth for the purpose of having servants providing him with food and worship and all those kind of things no the bible story is a much more beautiful story it is a story where the almighty the one that was 
He's just always has been. He came to the earth to bring the order of heaven to the earth. He created a place where he could expand who and what he is unto beings called humans, wherein he basically was the servant of the people, wherein he gave them a garden, wherein he offers them a tree of life, wherein he offers them eternal life, wherein he gives them advice, and then basically in them live in and through them, and then in and through them bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That is... <laughs> why we would say his name is holy he is different than the other gods in the in Elish, humans were simply made as disposable servants that is all they are mortal they live for a while and then they just gonna die and they are just servants to the gods because the gods found the work on the earth too difficult Okay, if you want more of that, I really went into depth in that in last week's message. Just go and get it. Um, okay, it says here, now it talks about the attributes of God. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. That word benefits means good things that he does. And now it says, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Forgiveness of iniquity simply means who sets you free from all the consequences of your sins, who sets you free from all the bad things that you have done, and who heals you of the disease that basically causes you to do all the wrong things, that causes you to be at a place where you've got to bear the consequences of your sins. Now, that is very powerful. You know, if we can just believe this part, do you know how easy it would be to make decisions? It would be very easy because, you know, if I make a decision, the God, th there's a safety net. You also know that you are set free from the disease that causes you to do all the wrong, plus you are set free from the consequences of the wrong. That would mean that if I look at my future, like making this message today, I felt in my heart to continue to preach on Psalm 103, for instance. Um, you know, there can come a voice to me that say, no, 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 you should not preach about Psalm 103. You know, you must preach the right thing today because if you don't preach the right thing, people are not going to follow your ministry. You're not going to, you can have that kind of a voice. But to me, I know that God has, through Jesus Christ, set me free from the disease where I just cause harm to myself by making wrong decisions. Yet I also believe that should I make a wrong decision, that the scripture says, who forgives all your iniquity, who forgives me from the wrong that I've done and the consequences. And I also understand that forgiveness there doesn't mean that God just gets peace in his heart about the mistake I've made. No, the forgiveness there talks about an action from God wherein God literally restores my life. Hallelujah. You know, when it comes to making decisions, there are some big decisions that we need to make sometimes in our lives. I think of my um, of my children at the moment, you know, they, they, they have to decide about 
you know, where they're going to work, if they're going to work there, all those kind of things. My youngest, is he going to study next year or start a business? Those are big decisions. But it's wonderful to know that we stand at a place where we have a God whose name is, he is without beginning, without end, from where we can have a source of life or the source of life. He is not in need of life. He has life and he offers life. Therefore, we can now make decisions from the foundation that the source of life has offered us life and we have it from him. And when we make decisions, we don't have to make it from the or within the power as if my whole life depends on this. And we also know that should we make a wrong decision and since our life is not derived from making the right or wrong decision in business or those kind of thing every day, but from him, it means our lives can be restored and that our lives are safe. And that brings a very peaceful uh, condition to the human heart wherein he can make decisions. That brings you to a place where you can have true hope in this world. That brings us to a place, and I quickly want to just throw this in here, and hopefully I can uh, get, let me see how much time I've got left. Um, I can get into this today, you know, uh, when it comes to our countries and what, you know, the condition that our countries are in and so forth, wherein we can truly have hope doesn't matter what because of this concept that he forgives all your iniquities he delivers forgiving of iniquity is not i'm not angry because you've done something wrong forgiving of iniquity and i repeat myself in saying this forgiving of iniquity is delivering you from the consequences of the wrong and healing of the disease also talks about healing of what causes what the, the the disease of man which is mortality healing us of that placing us under the jurisdiction and the rulership of his kingdom i am waiting for the day where i can see i'm, I'm seeing some of it and and it is beautiful and powerful in some people's lives but where in the years to come where we would go through something like the COVID pandemic, uh, like the elections, you know, I've, I mean, I've been on Facebook for many years and I would see how different countries go through the, the election times. And when we see that and we find the church not shaken, we find the church absolutely completely at peace not feeling shaken whatsoever having a, the fruit of a full hope in jesus christ where there's no anxiety no stress uh, just a absolute rest and i do believe it will come that 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 day will come and it will definitely come uh, fear in these times are gonna be uh, away it's not going to be there on account of the ever-expanding kingdom of God. Fear when it comes to our future, our children, and those kind of things will be done away with on account of the ever-expanding kingdom of God since he is the eternal. Okay, let me just wrap this up. What I'm trying to say is this. 
David says God's name is holy. He's different than the than the other gods. He's got no beginning, no end. He, he exists in himself. He then says, let us not forget any of his benefits. Benefits means the good actions, the good things that he does towards us. And then he starts off by saying, who redeems your life, um, excuse me, who forgives all your iniquities, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. So the forgiving of iniquities has got something to do with God being the eternal. That means we as mortals have a God who is the eternal, who is not in need of our service, neither has he made us for the purpose of being disposable servants, which was the belief of all the other gods of that time. He says our God is different. It is not about, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, being mortal. He wants to actually come and deliver us from our mortality. He is all about eternal life and like you would have the, the God of war, he's about war. The God of eternal life is all about eternal life. The God of having no beginning, having no end, being the self-existing one, is the one who's come to give eternal existence unto us by him. Therefore, we can conclude that he redeems our life from destruction, which is to forgive or deliver us from the consequences of what we bring over our own cells, destroying our lives. And he even takes away the seed of death, the disease from us. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> that is wonderful. Blesses me. Okay. It says here in verse 4, and, and I want to just say it this way, the way I read Psalm 103 here is uh, in a kind of a poetic form wherein uh, one concept is repeated and one thing is basically said in different ways, but he's just saying one thing. What David is saying is the name of God is different than the names of of other gods therefore it means who he is is different he is the self-existing one and he is a life giver what that means is that receiving his life means he by his existence and his power will deliver us from the consequences of what of death that we bring over ourselves he even will deliver us from the seed of death the disease that humans have and this simply Put in other words is he's redeeming my life from destruction. He's redeeming my life from destruction. The other gods of that time, they didn't redeem people's lives from destruction. They were made mortals. They will be destroyed one day. And the source of destruction is the gods themselves. But here it says he redeems our lives from destruction. What the, what the redemption from uh destruction means is that we will be crowned with loving kindness and tender mercies so david comes and he says the tender mercies and the loving kindness of god is defined in god being the one that sets us free from what destroys our lives it goes on it says here uh, in verse 5 who satisfies your mouth with good things that word mouth there, um, I just want to get it right here. 
in the Syriac uh, language, which was just the old Syrian language, means body. He satisfies your body with good that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, we all know that story about the eagle's renewal where I don't know, some of you might not know it. Um, I spoke to Elena about it. She was not really familiar with this. But I remember in Bible school times, and you can go and watch this now on YouTube as well. If you, Many preachers preach this. And where they say that an eagle's lifespan is about 30 years, but then he must go through a very difficult choice, and that is to pluck out all these feathers and his claws and his beat down his beak on a piece of rock until he's got nothing left. And then over 150 period, day period time he's completely renewed and then another 30 years is added to his life and then it, his youth is renewed um, you know and then that is basically then said David refers to that which is simply not true it's just a myth it is not the truth no eagle goes and does that I went and read up on on the web uh, it's even on websites said you know which is which are into uh, preservation of the eagles and nature and all of that said that that is not the truth it is not it's nowhere been documented it has never happened uh, where people could observe it in any form or fashion so that means something else than what we think you know with that eagle story it was again you know you must be willing to go through pain pluck out your feathers get out of your comfort and all those kind of things again the focus on man and the focus is not on god what he's saying here, what he's truly saying here is that he will strengthen our bodies and our youth will be renewed. We will have strength again. And this is seen in Romans chapter 7, where Paul basically said, when I wanted to walk in my flesh, I found that I don't have the ability to have a holy life. But as I rested upon God, I found my strength being renewed and I find that I'm saved from the fruit of the flesh and holiness started to manifest in me by the power of God. What he's referring to here when he talks about the eagle is to mount up on eagle's wings that basically says that you might, it says also in Psalms that the young men might become weary and tired, but they that trust in the Lord, they that then find their life in Jehovah, the self-existing one, as the one that gives them life for free, you find that they are not in the parameter of mortality anymore. They have a strength wherewith they rise up, you know, and they are they are carried by the wind of God. They carried by the breath of God, the life of God, and they mount up and they soar and they are healed from the weakness of the flesh and they start to see the fruit of the Spirit in their life. That is what this refers to. I don't think David understood all of this. David simply said, God is the self-existing one. He is the one that helps me. And he would have things like sins that he has committed that he is now set free from. And he would have battles in mind and all of that. But we now, from the New Testament perspective, we have a greater view of this and what all of this means. Okay, verse 7 <clears throat> Uh, verse verse uh, 6, and this is what I want to get into. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment 
for all that are oppressed. So, okay, what would qualify you for the righteousness and justice of God? Oppression, the execution of righteousness. It's oppression. He says here, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Or we can read it this way. What would God's action be? This is a better way. What would God's action be towards those that are oppressed? He will execute righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Now listen to the next verse giving context. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, what would be in David's mind when he writes and says, uh, you know, he executes righteousness and judgment to the oppressed? His ways are no, made known to Moses and these actions that I just talked about here, forgiving your iniquity, healing all your diseases, rede redeeming your life from destruction, crowning you with loving kindness and mercies, satisfying, giving you strength and all those kind of things. He made it known to Israel. What, what would be in his mind? The exodus out of Egypt would be in his mind. Now, let me explain what he's saying here. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Israel was oppressed by the Egyptians, by the Pharaoh that didn't know about Joseph. The Pharaoh didn't know Jesus. The Pharaoh didn't know what God has said to the children of Abraham and what happened with Joseph, what happened to his bro with the brothers and Jacob and all of that. They didn't. He didn't know that. He just said, "These people are. They, they are too many, and they're going to take over our kingdom. Let us oppress them because they are too many, and let them work for us. Let us oppress them." And when God beheld the oppression of Israel. His way is the following. Should you be oppressed by a power that is greater than you and that power pushes you into slavery and destruction, I will come. God's way is that he will destroy the oppressor. He will, he will lead the people out of the country or the place of oppression and he promises them a promised land and then he makes it his job to get them there even if it is through a difficult desert he will be the the heat at night and he will be the cool of the day he will give them water he will give them bread he will provide for them in that time all they have to do is believe and trust on him that's all. He will get them to the promised land and there he will destroy their enemies. He will prosper their crops and give them a place of prosperity in life. That is his way. That's God's way. Now, we find that his way is higher than our way. We find that his, his mercy and his grace and his way is as the heavens is higher than the earth that is how it's higher than our way 
Our way doesn't work like that. Our way is a way of war, of battle, not a way of resting upon the self-existing one, but resting upon our own ability and our own knowing and our own power. Or what we find these days is a in the church is a amalgamation of the two, accumulation of the two. We want to have a conglomerate of the systems, and that doesn't work. God's way, according to God's way, and I want to say this to you. Let's make it practical to our own lives. God's way is this. I promise you life, and wherever there is oppression, I will execute, God will execute righteousness and judgment for those that are oppressed and set them free. Let's make it very practical to everyday life. Let's say uh, you in your household, you've got a family, you've got kids, you've got, um, and, and, and then you and your wife have a fight about what school they must go to, for instance. Uh, or you find that in your house you are stressed out about uh, your finances, uh, and now you have an argument over that. We can have something else. You, some, you might just fight about where to go on a holiday. Or you might find any form of an addiction in your house, uh, not truly love amongst one another. Now you as a Christian, when you go to God, you need to understand that when God beholds your life, he doesn't come with a book and say, okay, one fight, therefore I'm removing my blessing from you. That's not how he looks at it. He's the self-existing one. He's got eternal life. He doesn't need your obedience and good life to have life or to look good. His whole life is found in himself. He needs nothing to give him life. He needs no obedience for him to have true existence and fullness of joy and fullness of everything. He needs none of that. So why would he have anything to do with us then? To give, to, to execute righteousness for he wants to share his life with you. So when he sees that turmoil going on in that family, he sees that this family is oppressed. Uh, this family is going through a very difficult time. They can be oppressed through the fruit of the flesh, which manifests in outbursts of anger or uh, fear or turmoil that is that is in the house. It can be by um, you being so scared about the future, not knowing what you oh what you're gonna do about certain things, or it could be um, driven by a slight depression because um, you feel that you're not successful enough, or something like that. When God looks at that, He sees that as an oppression. Now He says that He executes righteousness. And judgment for all that are oppressed. So as we as the oppressed come to God, we can now come in the following form. And this is what Eliana and I do practically when we see things in our life um, and in our family where we would say, oh, I wish it wasn't like this or wasn't like that. Or where we would find, like in any family, um, maybe some form of an argument or a, just uh, you know, things that are just not as good as what we want it to be. Small things, the smallest things, we use this principle. Even larger things, we use this. We say, God, you are the source of life, and we want to just say, 
that I would pray, Helena would pray. We would say, um, let's use myself as an example. Let's say I'm negative about a certain thing. We would say this negativity that we experience is an oppression. It is something that we can only be free from by your power. And we just want to say you execute righteousness over this family. And this family is open for your righteousness. Therefore, we will have joy and peace by you bringing forth life in this family. And then I would, if I would pray, I would say in my life. Uh, and then we would stand together, Helena and I and the kids. And as we pray about this, we would, um, we would say, Thank you, Lord, that all of us welcome your kingdom into this family and into the life of my father. I would do the same with my kids. When Elia and I pray for the kids, we don't pray and say, oh, Lord, you know, this child is so stupid because he's done this and this and this. We would just say, no, we would just say, Father, thank you that you execute righteousness. And we see one of our children being oppressed by fear. If it's fear for the exam or fear from this, we see it as an oppression. We see it as not the quality of God's life. And then we declare that we as a family, we are welcoming and we are saying that we are under the rulership of God. And we just say that we're not going to try and change that by our own power. It is for God. We know his way. His way is, I see the oppression. I take you out by you simply believing me. And we are believing you then, Lord. You'll take us out. You will lead us uh, through the Red Sea, meaning end this thing to not get to us anymore. And then the new life you will manifest in our lives. That is true for immortality, eternal life with God. And that's also true for the, um, that is also true for things in our life in the sh sh smaller scope of things. But this happens as we rely and trust in the name of the Lord. Those who fear him, those who say, Lord, not afraid, but those who fear, meaning saying, I have got respect for him, for out of him issues life and out of no other. That is how it works. Okay. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all them that are oppressed. Start to see when you are in something, see it as an oppression. I don't say, don't see it as a, you've got a demon now. Just see it as this is not, this is an oppression. And God executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. The context of that, you can go and read Psalm 9 verse 9, Psalm 10 verse 14 to 18. Um, and you can also go and read Isaiah 61, where it says that this is the day of the judgment of God to let the oppressed go free, to comfort all who mourn in Zion. It's about setting free from oppression, setting free from the fruit of the flesh, setting free from the things we think we need to leave in order to have the blessing of God. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. You know, after many years of preaching the gospel of grace, I find that still, to some degree in my life, you, you have that, just that little thought that wants to come in, I don't want to do something that's going to upset God. It sometimes happens. Now, I must say in my life, 
honestly, um, it has been maybe one percent of the times. You know, I would think, oh man, I don't want to, you know, upset God, or I don't think like that about myself. I would basically think of when certain things happen that with people that has always been cursing and shouting at God and those kind of things that my th thought wants to jump and say, ah, oh, you know, they're having what they deserve. And, and when I say that, then I find the Holy Spirit say, but God executes judgment for them, which means to set them free. That is the consequences of their own works. It is not God bringing it forth. So people, I'm just honest with you. I just want to share my life with you, share where things are at and preach this gospel so that you can not lose hope when you feel sometimes a little thing doesn't work. We are to encourage one another all the time in this good news so that we can walk in the, so that we can, as we encourage one another and say, we know that he executes righteousness and judgment. Part of that execution is as we share this life with one another. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt. Now, it says he will not always chide, means he will not always, you know, basically be in an argument with us and fight with us about something. It says neither will he keep. Now it says here his anger forever. That keep means neither I, I read it as neither will he keep away the blessings forever. That his anger is italicized. I want to now read verse 10 here. It says he has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as far as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. Now, I want to talk about something here. And I had a dream that I want to share with you, a dream about Donald Trump. Now, I'm very uncomfortable in sharing this, although I feel a deep comfort from the Holy Spirit in my heart to share this. This dream is not actually about politics, but it's about the church and correcting the church in their belief about God. The, the, and I think it's got a lot to do with the name of God being holy, the name of God being set apart. I, and, and I want to get to this part here where it says that he is merciful towards them that fear him, that has got respect for him, that has got hope in him. Now this was a dream that I have had and this dream is going to basically show us uh, and I want to just say it like this, I don't believe this is prophetically about America or about uh, Donald Trump. It is a correction for the church to put their faith in Jesus. This is what this is about. But this is a dream I've had. I dreamt that I was invited to preach at a conference in America. And I went there and I met a lot of my preacher friends at this conference. We were maybe 10 of us, if not more. Some of them are uh, uh, grace preachers that I don't even know. Others were people that I know very well. And we were there together at this conference. And as I, I mean, I landed and we went to the hotel. Most beautiful place, just outstanding, beautiful uh, 
hotel and was like on a hill overlooking a valley and there was like this beautiful green lawn around the the hotel and like hilly it's hilly there with beautiful pine trees and everything and just just outside the hotel there was like these cement walkways where you could walk you know up to the trees and was just so beautiful and everybody took their suitcases and as they were taking their suitcases i just left mine there and i saw you know i saw somebody walking up a hill and i saw this next to the hill these uh boards that i don't know what you call it um in english but that you put into the ground like that with um with a name on like when you sell property you know some one of those boards but that board said trump and i went um i went there and i said well while i'm waiting for you guys to get the suit, suit get, check in i'm quickly going up there and i'm going to take a like a selfie with uh, trump uh with trump the the, the board there and i'm going to just uh, put that on facebook and i remember in the uh, in, in the in the dream i thought well i'm going to cause a bit of a stir <laughs> sometimes i'm just like that and um i'm going to this is going to cause a bit of a stir, but I'm going to do that. Now, I wouldn't do that. In real life, I just want to keep myself completely away from politics uh, in the pulpit. I don't believe in politics in the pulpit. I believe in the name of Jesus in the pulpit. That's what I believe in. And if you're against that, that's fine. I still stand with. I believe in the name of Jesus in the pulpit, not politics. Uh, and if you want to differ with that, come with scripture taught by Jesus Christ and Paul about it. And then I will agree with you if I can find that, but I can't. But anyway, so I wanted to take this, but there was somebody walking amongst those boards there. And as I wanted to take this picture, I saw this guy coming up to me. And when I looked up, I saw, but my goodness, this is Donald Trump himself. And I said, good day, Mr. President. And I shook his hand and he was just talking to me, very friendly guy, um, you know really and, and we just started to talk a little bit and it was such a nice chat we've had and just not even about politics just about how are you how's your family you know that kind of a, a thing and then i said to him you know mr trump i wanted to uh take a picture of the board but i, I think it will be nicer if i could have a, a selfie with you and he said to me no issue let's do it and as i did that uh some of the Christians that came to the conference as well as the preachers, they came up and they saw me talking to the president and they thought, my goodness, this is a president. And as they looked at the president, it was almost as if his presence hypnotized them and their eyes were so fixed on them and almost like zombies starting to reach out and touch the president and just want to touch him. He was trying to speak to them. But they couldn't even hear him. They they were just mesmerized, hypnotized. Their eyes like became like dull, looking at this president, President Trump. And um, I was like, to me, I was thinking, man, I wanted a selfie here and now, <laughs> but this is your president. I mean, I'm not an American. Uh, yeah, you you talk to him. That that's okay. And next thing in the dream, we're at the hotel. And we are checking into the hotel. The president was also staying in the same hotel. And as we go in, uh, he said, ladies first. And the, and the woman went in and I was standing there. And then I went in and then I waited for him to come in. And then he didn't come in. 
And I opened the door to see where he was. Now, security was standing a bit away from him, and I found that he was assassinated. He was assassinated with like a machete by um, by some of the locals there, so some of the, the native people. Now, like I said again, I don't believe this is a prophetic word on what's going to happen to to Donald Trump. But I, I want to, I believe God is making a point here. I do believe this dream is from God. And I looked at it and it was him and there was a lady next to him. He was, uh, he was the, the, they hit him from behind, two shots, one from the top, one horizontally, horizontally, and then the lady, she was completely decapitated. They had no voice. They were dead on the floor. I came out there and I was absolutely shocked. And I just said, I, I can't believe that I've now witnessed something like this, um, you know, and I just started to pray, call, them, call on the name of the Lord and whatever, and I called the, the, the church and I said to them, listen, come and see what happened here. And when they saw that, and this is what the whole dream is about, what I'm going to tell you now, I looked into their eyes and they had no hope. They had no hope. For all their hope, was in this man their hope was in that man their hope was in him uh, and it doesn't matter what I try to say I found that there was a despair a hopelessness to the core and I woke up and I prayed and I saw to speak to God about it and um, I immediately felt that this is not about an assassination. This is a correction for the church. That's the first thing I felt. And I thought, how will I word this in the end? And what will the conclusion of this dream be? How will it be? And this is the question that came to my mind. If your president... Um, and I, I'll use Donald Trump now, but this is also for South Africans. This is also for every, this is true for every country. If your president gets assassinated today, will you be without hope? Will you feel, oh my goodness, everything is gone now. We don't know what's going to happen now. Our, our, our future is not sure if this man gets assassinated. Now, I do believe that what this is talking about is that we need to realize that any mindset wherein, the, wherein there is hope in anything of this world system, it's going to end. The only hope is in Jesus. The only hope is in Jesus. Should, and this is my message to the church in America, your, your Pentecostal charismatic church. I don't know everything about it, but I, I know what I see on the web and in messages. If the president is assassinated today, would you feel, and this is only going to, you have to be honest with yourself. It doesn't help you say yes, but you need to be honest with yourself. This is between you and God. Would you feel I have no hope? Would you feel I have no hope? 
Everything is gone. Our country is in a ruin. The future for my children is now in ruin. We are in desperate times now. Everything is now gone because the president was assassinated. If that is the case, if you have that emotion and that feeling strongly in your heart, I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. For the scripture says here that the oppression, those that are oppressed, their oppression is relieved from them as they trust in the Lord. Many of us are continuing feeling oppressed because we actually putting our trust in a man. Now, it is even worse in, in church circles when we look at a preacher. When I look at people following my ministry, if you have your hope in me, you're in trouble because you will feel oppressed every day. Put your hope in Jesus. Listen to the message that I preached. And I have my hope in the Lord and let that point you to the Lord. And we both have our hope in Jesus. But the moment your hope is in me, you will find that you live in oppression. You will not experience freedom because God comes and he brings freedom for all that are oppressed. And we see this loving kindness on those who fear or believe or have hope in his name. Now you must say, Barty, that is not me. You know, that is not. You don't have to defend yourself to me. You go into your room and when I said, well, the President of the United States, I had a dream and saw him assassinated. If you felt, oh my goodness, all hope is gone, I think you need to refocus. That is my, my view to you. If it would happen today that Donald Trump is assassinated, would you still feel exactly the same hope for your future as what he wouldn't be? That's the question. And this is what I want to get down to. Our God is the only eternal. He is separate from all other gods. We can have our hope in him and in him alone. I want to tell you, if South Africa, let's bring it to South Africa. If South Africa becomes communist, completely flooded with socialism, communism to the core, it's not as if there is no way wherein we can have the fullness of joy by God. God is our source. Our hope is only in him. And I want to tell you, as we see that, the things of this world, like that song says, will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And I believe this is what David concluded in his psalm he came and he said listen we i looked at all the things of this world i looked at how there was no hope i looked at the mountains where will my help come from my help comes from the lord amen and if things work out that we see ourselves surrounded with the enemy where will our help come from my help has always just come from god and nothing else. And this is what David says here. And I want to end this message with this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All that he has done. What has he done? He forgives you 
and delivers you from what from the consequences of your wrong decisions. That means politically, even if we vote for the wrong person and we find a wrong thing happening in the country, he can deliver us from that. Hallelujah. Even if the wrong person comes into power, he can deliver us from that. We can change this for those that are, I'm speaking to Americans now, uh, pro-Biden. What happens if Biden is assassinated? What happens then? You would feel, oh my goodness, now Trump is going to be in power. I've got no hope. Your hope is not in Jesus if that is your emotion. Your hope in that area of your life is towards politics and not towards the Lord. The knowledge of the glory of God, which is the resurrection of Jesus, shall fill the whole earth and every emotion that is in our heart shall be born from it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to what he says, and I end off with this. Like a father pities his children. That word pities is the word rakam, which comes from the word rakamim, which talks about the womb or the intestines of God. He pities his, his womb, his inside moves and turns in compassion. He says, like a father pities his children, the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. When God sees your fears, when God sees your turmoil, it's not an accusation. When you now come and you say, oh God, you know, I sit in fear when I look at, if I, when when Barty said, I saw Donald Trump assassinated, I had fear. When he mentioned Biden being assassinated, I had fear. When he said communism in South Africa, it, it's like, no, I don't even want to hear that. I don't even want to think along that. I have fear. Fear. When God sees that fear in you, He you know it is it is true to man's simple nature of just being dust, and his inside is turning in compassion to deliver you from the oppression of that fear. All we have to do is say, I see Jesus. I see the Lord seated at the right hand of God. I see him high and lifted up in eternal glorious human flesh where he has brought eternal life to us wherein we don't have to depend on anything else for life but him that is the grace of god because of him being the self-existing one there's no room for works or law or any of that for he is not in need of that to bring life to us all that he wants is trust me trust me Glory to God. I want to say to you, as pertaining to your family, as pertaining to your country, and as pertaining to the political situation, and I don't want to apologize because I believe this is a, a, a relevant message for the times we are in. Um, politically, politically, you, we can um, we, we can be free from these things. The beautiful thing that I've done now with Facebook is, there's a when you see a post that is not in line with what you want to hear you can just simply click there and say i don't want to see some of these kind of posts and the beautiful thing is all i get now on my facebook is 
beautiful messages of the gospel. (laughs) That's all I want to see. That's all I see. And I feel really encouraged. And I know the resurrected Jesus and his power shall manifest his kingdom in the earth. And so we can live in peace in this world. That is like ignorance is bliss. Well, if calling knowledge of God, the knowledge of God and of Jesus is called ignorance, the Bible says, be knowledgeable on what is good and ignorant of evil. Don't have it in your life. And I also believe don't have the evil that others practice every day in your mind. Have the good. And this is what he says here. Forget not all his benefits. Forget not all these benefits, which is Christ. Forget not the message of grace. Forget the message of the law. Forget not the message of his kindness. Forget the message of, forget not how he helped David, how he helped uh, um, Abraham, how he helped Israel. Forget not what he has done, but forget all the bad. Forget the times of oppression. Forget, remember the times of deliverance and freedom by the Lord supernaturally. Do you know that the blessings of God and what God has truly done in this world came supernaturally? It was by his doing and only by him. And that is how we will see his kingdom manifest in this earth. Glory to God. Thank you so much that I could minister this message to you today. Uh, The goodness of God is yours. The correction of God, the Bible says, God corrects those whom he loves. Now, I do believe that that this is a correction for the church to take their eyes off and, and don't defy political leaders. Believe in God only. And let us take that correction. I know it is not without pain, but let's take that correction and have the freedom of God. You are deeply loved by God. God bless.